The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you. We'll meet with Joe Moorhead a little bit later today. Not exactly sure which Joe we're going to get. And what I mean by that is, you know, uh, we had uh, an eventful uh, post-game press conference on Saturday. And uh, let me share with you a couple things about that sort of thing. We talked about this some late last week, you know, because last Monday uh, Joe made reference to, you know, you know, daughter heard that uh you know people were saying her dad sucks that sort of stuff and he goes you know somebody that's fair because i did suck and some people were like well you know steve what do you think about the press conference and my my opinion of saturday's press conference is much like monday's press conference i'm just not big on press conferences you know there are some people out there that get all been out of shape and say oh well did you hear what they said they didn't say this they they did say this why didn't he say this why did he say it this way um then you also throw in the backdrop of the Paul Feinbaum interview on Friday, which uh, I'll be honest with you, I think a lot of that is a little bit silly. I, I, my honest opinion is, and uh, this is what I, I, I try to give you guys on the show, I don't try to pull any punches. I, I think the SEC Network has a problem with how they package some of this stuff from time to time. And what I mean by that is, is the mandate of the SEC Network was to always be a promotional vehicle for all 14 member institutions of the Southeastern Conference. But that's not what it is. It's also not a place for for Paul Feinbaum to get up there and to uh, push his own issues. And I, I, I really thought that the way that he handled John Cohen was absolutely shameful. And then after John has left the set, then he wants to kind of lob some, some shots at John. Uh, I think it's I think it's disgusting, to be honest with you. I, I think Paul Feinbaum is a troll with a mic stand, and, I, and I, to be honest, I, I think it is a bad look for the league. I mean, this is the guy that has built a platform of making fun of SEC fans. Not to mention, I don't know if you, you some of you guys may be too young to remember this, but Paul Feinbaum wrote a series of books called uh, "I Hate." This Like, I hate Mississippi State, and here's 303 reasons why you should too. And I hate Ole Miss, and I hate Auburn. Now, he was not a um, – I can't say he just picked and choose, but if that is the, the platform that a person uses, you know, to kind of say, you know what, this is who I am, and, and I hate this school, and I hate this school, and this is what I don't like about them, even if it's, it's comedic value, that's not a person we need speaking for the SEC. That's how I feel about it. And I felt that way for a long time. I felt that way since the beginning. I never watched the Feinbaum show on the SEC Network. I, I don't watch it. I didn't listen to it. Uh, it's, it's, it's not anything that I've ever felt was important because it, it's, just, it's not real sports in my opinion. I don't think that he really brings a lot of value to it. I know that people are like, well, Steve, you know, he's been around forever and a day and he's done this and done that. It's just not my cup of tea, you know. Um, and, I, and I remember too the uh, the week of the Egg Bowl 2017, and, and Paul Feinbaum is uh, represented by the same agency that represents Dan Mullen, and he's up there saying, "Hey, this is the last last game Dan Mullen's going to coach at Mississippi State," and all that was true because either Dan was going to go to Tennessee or Florida, and we we kind of learned that in hindsight. You know, we were getting some reports. I talked to a couple people in the agency circles on the Tuesday before the Egg Bowl that said, look, this Tennessee thing is very real. It is very, very real. And we're hearing that he's going to get on a plane Thursday night after the Egg Bowl and fly to Knoxville to meet with John Curry Friday morning. 
that was probably going to be exactly what happened until Florida got involved on Wednesday. And then Scott Strickland reaches out and to request official permission to speak to Dan. And Scott was told, yes, you can speak to him, but it'll be after the ball game. And, of course, Scott respected all that because Scott's a professional. But Tennessee and Florida were already circling before that. But Mississippi State fans, you know, we're going into the uh, the week of the Egg Bowl, and, and there's all this unrest and stuff. And I just I don't appreciate the glee that Paul Feinbaum took in all that stuff. It, you know, what what value did that bring? It's kind of like why well, know something that you don't know, and that that became the vehicle to show. And, and I don't I don't agree with it. I think it's wrong. I don't think it's right for a guy that's on the SEC payroll to go out there and look to engage and pick a fight with an athletic director. And, I, and listen, I've read some of your responses. Some people have said, oh, well, well John looked bad. And other people say, well, Paul Feinbaum looked bad. Uh, I don't think John Cohen did anything to embarrass himself or the university. Uh, if John probably showed more restraint than I expected John to show. I think the whole thing is wrong. You show up on our campus, it should be a great event. It should be a lot of fun for our fans and for our students to go you know, kind of stand there in a junction and they're able to witness all that. But it wasn't. It wasn't. It should have been, but it wasn't. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Bulldog Burger Company, absolutely the best place to go break bread in Starkville proper. The greatest appetizers in the area with the spring rolls. We encourage you to to go find your own favorites, but while you're doing that, be sure that you have the spring rolls. They're fantastic. And maybe that's not your cup of tea. Maybe there's some other things that you would like, and I'm encouraged you to try those. If, if you're a little bit health conscious, you can get your hamburger on a gluten-free bun. You can get it on a wheat bun. You can get it on no bun. You can get it on a bed of lettuce for all you want. They truly will let you have it however, however you want it. I've, I've seen people eat the mission as basically a salad. Go do your own thing. Two, new, two locations to serve you now with the new location, Tupelo. Getting a lot of great reviews from our friends on social media saying, Steve, we're so happy to have Bulldog Burger Company here in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. Now in Starkville and Tupelo. So let me get back on this train just a second here. And let's talk a little bit about some of the things that were said. Paul Feinbaum asked Joe Moorhead three different times, three different ways about the Rutgers stuff. And listen, let's be honest. It is his obligation to ask those questions. It is. That, that is his job as a journalist. No matter what network you're on, and, and, that, and it's in the news. Everybody's talked about it. We've talked about it to the point now that it's become ridiculous. And so here, here's the direct quote from Joe Moorhead, because I have read, because here's what happens. It's like the whole game of gossip we talked about last week. Somebody heard it, and they posted in one of the Facebook groups, and then somebody kind of changes it a little bit. But here is the exact quote, because I've, I've heard people say, oh, well, he didn't just outright deny it. I, I don't know what else he could have said here. No, it is not something that's under consideration. My focus is here at Mississippi State. This is where we want to be. This is what we're going to do. Now, listen, Habla español muy, muy poquito. I speak a little Spanish. But English is my primary language. And I don't know how, how else, what, what else more could he say? Now, no matter what he says, there's going to be those that want Joe Moorhead gone that'll say, oh, well, he's lying. You know, Joe Moorhead could come out and say Rutgers is awful. I don't like their administration. I don't even like flying through the state of New Jersey. And some of our fans would be like, oh, he's just saying that. There's no way he wins with any of that. And then there are those that, uh, you know, the Jim Moorhead supporters are like, you know, it is what it is. You know, he wants it to be here. He loves being here. His family's happy here. This is what he wants to do. You know, I, I think at some point you have to take things at face value. And let me also share with you this. One of the things that I have learned over the weekend is that a lot of these uh, rumors about Rutgers have been created by the same people that suggested Dan Mullen would entertain an offer from Rutgers when he was the coach back in 2015. Coming off Dak Prescott's senior year. And there it's, it's some donors around the Rutgers program. 
That's what I'm told. I'm, it's it's not people within the coaching profession. It's some people around the donor program that say, hey, you know, what if we could get so-and-so? And then nobody walks it back. The next thing you know, if somebody mentions it, you know, because listen, listen, whenever Mississippi State's making a hire, we work the phones too. We talk to anybody that will listen to us. We compare notes and we try to get information. And that's what people in the newspaper and journalistic industry does. You call people and you ask them, what are you hearing? A lot of times when, when Mississippi State's hiring a coach or an athletic director, I call donors too because sometimes they have better access than we do. Because at the end of the day, no matter how well-intended I am, everybody at Mississippi State, no matter how they much like me, they may like me a lot. They may not like me at all, but they all know they're dealing with a reporter. And there are other people that are in donor circles that sometimes, you know, they're going to get a little more candid conversation because they have earned that right with their own contributions to the program. And so you, you, you reach out and you talk to people and you say, hey, what, what are you hearing? And there are other people that are calling you and say, hey, listen, here's the guy we really need. And sometimes that's their hope and that's their wish, but it's not reality. I can't count how many times somebody's called me and said, hey, I've talked to so-and-so, and you know, so-and-so is really interested in our job. And that's turned out to be untrue. But the bottom line is, is that, uh, you know, these rumors start with one guy and then it's, you know, here's how media works today too. Everybody's scared to get beat and everybody's looking for low hanging fruit. Everybody's looking, especially those that are paid on content. You know, some people are paid for clicks. Well, what's going to get me a bunch of clicks? Well, how crazy would it be if an SEC coach left to go to Rutgers? I mean, Rutgers. Well, you know what? We know the Mississippi State people will leak this up. We know the Ole Miss people will leak this up. So let's go write this story. Oh, well, you didn't get a quote? Oh, well, let's just aggregate the rumor that was started by somebody else. And then, then the next thing you know, one guy writes it, then another guy writes it. Then I was like, oh, we're losing, we're losing pace here. We got to get those clicks, man. So listen, you get out there and you write a story, and if you go and you can go read every one of those stories from last week, and they all say the exact same thing because nobody had a quote. All are attributed to one rumor from one source to one guy in New Jersey. And you know, I don't doubt that he heard that. I don't think he just made it up. But all these other people that are aggregating the story, he just kind of jumped on board. And they're just basically spreading the rumor. They don't have anything new. And then Paul Feinbaum is on our campus, and Joe Moorhead comes out and says, again, let me read it to you, because, again, I don't, I don't want to misquote you. I don't want to misquote Joe. When asked about the Rutgers job, Joe says, no, it's not something that's under consideration. No, it's not something that's under consideration. No, it's not something that's under consideration. My focus is here at Mississippi State. This is where we want to be. I repeat, this is where we want to be. This is what we're going to do. So Joe Moorhead may be a great poker player. Joe Jim Moorhead may already have said, you know what? Man, if this thing doesn't work out, i got to make sure i got a way to feed my family. Things could always change. But that's the quote. That's the quote. Nobody else had a quote. But that's the quote. It's direct from Joe Moorhead on national television. That's the quote. And so if Joe Moorhead is truly entertaining the Rutgers offer, and, and, I, and we, we've all spoken to Joe, every time that Joe's been asked about the Rutgers thing, he has denied it. So either Joe is truly not interested in the Rutgers job or Joe is, uh, is, is a really good poker player. One of the two. I'm more concerned about uh, Mississippi State football, to be honest with you. That, that is my concern. That is where my loyalty lies, is with Mississippi State. I'm loyal to every coach until they are no longer our coach. And then at that point, I can pick and choose who I want to stay in contact with. You know what I'm saying? Joe comes out Saturday in a postgame and, and is very animated. Um, that's the Joe that, uh, that we see in practice. That's the Joe that is in the Mississippi State locker room. Uh, 
And I think some of our fans, again, have this false belief, and it's you know, been perpetuated as a false narrative, that, well, Joe just doesn't have any emotion. Guys, that is so incredibly false. It's just not true. You know, I'm there on the sidelines every game. I hear him interacting with coaches. I hear him interacting with officials. I, inter- I overhear him interacting with players. Good, bad, that indifferent. I, I hear it and see it all. And then I, then all of a sudden I go log on to one of these Mississippi State Facebook groups and somebody's like, oh, well, well Joe didn't show any emotion. And I, I'm just thinking, what did they show on TV or what did they not show on TV? Because I don't get the benefit of watching the TV broadcast when I'm on the sidelines. I'm at the game. It's just like when we had that great, great play to Farad Green that was nullified by an ineligible downfield. I was watching Garrett and then Farad, so I didn't watch the lineman. But as soon as the, the flag comes out, Joe is already 10 yards down the field saying, pick it up, pick it up. He was not more than three yards down the field. He wouldn't do it. He is absolutely reading the guy the riot act. And he keeps saying, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Well, then they don't. And then Joe walks, turns his back, walks up the sideline and says something. Couldn't hear that. His back was to me. He says something, and then the field judge gets on the headset, and they give Joe an unsportsmanlike conduct. Some of our people said, well, Steve, how can we be upset with our players for being undisciplined when our coach is being undisciplined? And here is my question about that, because the same people that are asking that question are the same people that say that he shows no emotion. So you can't have it both ways. You can't have him out there telling people how the cow ate the cabbage and say, well, he doesn't show any emotion. So pick and choose what you want to do. Either we can ride that narrative, the false narrative, well, Joe doesn't have any emotion. And I think maybe maybe we just need to come to the grip for the fact that some of you people just don't like Joe Moorhead. You don't have any reason for it. You don't have any evidence to support it other than the fact that he hadn't won enough games. And to be fair, that might be reason enough. But let's not put things under a magnifying glass and begin to c- kind of create more of a false narrative to support our case because we don't like Just Just come out and say, you know what, I don't like him. I don't think he's a good fit for us. And, that, and that's fine. Maybe he's not the coach you thought he was. But let's not add to it. Things are bad enough as they are with a 3-4 and four record without people adding to it. To be honest with you, I, I wish we had more of that kind of stuff. I, I, I like the fact that a coach will go to bat for his team. Now, does he have currency built up with some of these officials? No, we don't. And that's another topic for another day. But uh, as I mentioned uh, you know, Saturday, you know, there's, there's a problem with officiating in this league. And I, I didn't realize when I tweeted that out, and it was just kind of a general statement. Because I go back to that Colin Hill uh, – the, the, the flea flicker play because I, th- I thought we played with some reckless abandon we came out and we're running flea flickers and reverses and you know we're doing you know Joe was out there trying to win the game we go for it on fourth down on the very first drive we don't make it and we hold him to a field goal and I thought that was big for us it's because of the fact that showed oh she were there to win and you're not going to just run all over us I was glad they came out and showed some fire but I go back to that penalty and I'm watching the play develop, and so Colin is right in front of me, and I'm shooting Colin, and so I see off to the right there's a receiver somewhat engaged, and then after the play was – after the pass was completed, after the play is over, then the flag comes in from the side judge, and he says it's OPI. Uh, and I asked people, I was like, you know, I, I don't understand what happened there. I had other people around me that said there was some engagement, but it was both ways. Somebody said, oh, well, he was already kind of blocking downfield ahead of the play. And I, and I don't know that that may be true. That's not what they called, but that may be true. But I just found it interesting that we waited for the result of the play before we threw the flag. Either, either he was already engaged and there was pass interference that had nothing to do with the play, mind you, nothing. It's not like we ran a rub route and Osiris Mitchell picked off the guy that was covering Colin. But it, it, either there is OPI or there's not OPI, but the, the result of the play shouldn't trigger the flag. If you, you see what I'm saying? It, it, it makes no sense to me. If you saw it, and, and, I, don't know, and there, I don't think there's any way you could see both anyway. You, you couldn't see the penalty and the catch. You couldn't see them both. 
And so those are the kind of things I look at. You know, and again, I didn't have the gift of seeing the engagement between Osiris and the Defender uh, because I was focused on Colin. But people around me, and again, I'm, I may have bad sources, but people around me, other photographers and people like that that were shooting, were trying to explain to me you know, kind of what took place there. But I sent I sent that tweet and I was like, you know, it just it, it doesn't make any sense. And Chauncey Rivers gets called for hands to the face and, and there's just I just didn't think it was very even handed. And it, it kind of felt like, you know what, we're not gonna get a shake today. We're gonna have we're gonna have to overcome everything. And then you know it's a nine seven ball game and we're right in the mix, you know, and then we have a bust and it's fifteen seven, they missed the extra point. And then we have an interception. Garrett throws the ball, and, and that's some of that's freshman stuff. But it was a great play. I mean, the guy made a great play. LSU made the plays to win the game. They didn't need any help from the officials to win the game. LSU's a better team than Mississippi State. But then I go back and I look at all this stuff, and I hear about what happens with South Carolina and Florida. And then I hear about all this stuff that happened with Alabama and Tennessee, and I flip over and I start watching it. I begin to ask myself, you know, I wrote an article last year about how inconsistent the SEC is with their protocols when it comes to officiating and how the it's almost like the KGB. Nobody wants to talk about it. They started this this and, and let me be careful because I want to keep this as a PG thirteen show. They 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 come up with this cockamamie Twitter account and says, Hey, we're gonna better communicate with our fans and we're gonna explain when there are controversial calls and we're gonna tweet this stuff out so there's there's more visibility. And there's a greater transparency between the league and the fans. I counted yesterday, they got 59 tweets. 59 tweets, and just about all of them are self-affirming tweets talking about how great a job the officials are doing. It's propaganda, okay? That's what it is. It's propaganda. And they'll come out and say, hey, this play happened and it was a correct call by the official. But there has not been a single tweet from the SEC officiating tweet that says, you know what, we made a mistake here. We made a mistake. And as a result, the impact and the results of the game were negatively impacted because of our mistake. I hadn't seen any of that. So, Greg, if you want to have some transparency, you're going to have to do a little more than propagate how good the league's officiating is because everybody sees that it's bad. Everybody. Not just me, not just Mississippi State people. Listen, you you go online right now and you can Google SEC officiating and you can see that every fan base is upset with the fish shade in this league. And, and so some of that is kind of par for the course. But then all of a sudden when you begin to kind of look at, you stand back here and take a look at this thing and say, okay, well, Alabama got the benefit of some, some calls again. Again, LSU got the benefit of some calls. Florida, SEC East leading Florida, got the benefit of some calls again. And all of a sudden you begin to say, well, wait a minute here, how come Vanderbilt never gets the benefit of any calls? How come Mississippi State and Ole Miss and Kentucky never get the benefit of a bad call? Why, why, does it, why is there always a breakdown in the system when it favors a team that is uh, in contention for some big money things? You know, I, I might be completely wrong about all that, but, I, but I, I believe in conspiracy theories. I do, and I think the fact that the league – hides behind their policies and protocols rather than just coming out and being transparent, I think that only feeds the conspiracy theorists of the day. I don't think there's any question that there is the human element in officiating and, and that there's all this oversight and there's the, you know, you've got the control center in Birmingham. And so if that's true, if the control center is there, if this SEC stupid Twitter account is to be taken seriously, then how come nobody ever comes out and says, you know what, we screwed up? And then I've got Dari Noga, who I think is great on the SC Network. I really enjoy his candor, and he's, really, he's, he's funny. He does a good job. His delivery's good. Does a really good job. And uh, you know, he's reading you know, comments from uh, Steve Shaw about, hey, we're going to review some of these problems that happened in the South Carolina-Florida game. You know, We're aware of some concerns there. We're going to take a look at it. Well, what's funny about that is, and I, and I think, hey, Steve, that's great. It's not going to change anything. But then last year when Mississippi State is on the road in Tuscaloosa and they fumbled the football in the first possession of the game, the league elected not to comment. Mississippi State didn't even get the benefit of a review. The talk behind the scenes was 
is that they were screaming in the control center, stop the game, stop the game, and they couldn't get the game stopped. Guys, I am absolutely not believing that. You mean to tell me that the SEC, the Southeastern Conference, with all the power and all the technology and all the money, can't get a game stopped in Tuscaloosa, Alabama? Give me a break, man. It doesn't make any sense. Nobody believes this, Greg. Nobody. And so if you really want to get come clean, if you really want to be taken seriously by your fans, then just come out and say, you know what? Hey, guys, in this South Carolina game, this was the wrong call. And this call negatively impacted the outcome of the ball game. And because of our high standards in the Southeastern Conference, this official, the official that blew this call, is going to be suspended for this game, the next game, the rest of the season, whatever. But you come out there and you have some accountability. You have some meaningful and visible accountability. And then people have been to say, you know what? They're serious about this. Because right now, you're not serious about it. You can say whatever you want. You're not serious about it. Because if you were serious about it, it wouldn't always be the haves getting the benefit of the blown call. What if something had happened in that Tennessee-Alabama game? What if you know all of a sudden Hubert Owens' crew... Uh, made a mistake, and all of a sudden Tennessee surges ahead late in the ball game. Do you think there'd be some accountability then? L- let's say Tennessee had upset Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Holy Steve Shaw. What happens then? You don't think some heads would roll in that situation? All of a sudden, you know the you know the defending uh, SEC champs have an opportunity to uh, get knocked out of the playoff with a bad loss to a very bad Tennessee team that would negatively impact the revenue of this conference, you don't think some heads would roll then? Because here's the reality of this deal. And this is my, my personal opinion about how my interactions with the league office and then how they've handled all the communications with, uh, with these you know questions about officiating is that if it's just South Carolina and Ole Miss and Vanderbilt and Mississippi State doing the griping, nothing's ever going to get done. Ever. It's never going to change. It's not going to change. As long as the sacred cows of this league are protected, as long as we're able to generate as much revenue as possible, nothing's ever going to change. Because it's a business. It's not about fair play. It's not. It's not about fair play. Because if it was about fair play then Mississippi State would have got a benefit of a replay on that first drive in Tuscaloosa when Alabama turned the football over, a drive they ultimately scored on. If you recall, they didn't score many, many points at all that day. And Mississippi State would have been given the ball deep in Alabama territory to begin a very big ball game. But Mississippi State was denied that opportunity. Mississippi State was denied a review. And you go back and you see in hindsight that it wasn't even close. It was clearly a fumble and they missed it on the field, the replay official missed it, and then they missed it in the control office. And, and again, Steve, Greg, I'm not buying it. I just simply don't buy it. It doesn't make any sense to me that with all the technology, we can't get a game stopped. And then you go back and you look at this stuff, and, and listen, there's a lot of judgment calls when it comes to personal fouls and that, that sort of stuff. It, it is. It's very subjective at times. But how come it never happens to Alabama or Florida or LSU? Why, why, why is it always a mistake that's made in favor of the league as a whole rather than the team? And I'll continue to say, and maybe the SEC will, will fix it. And I haven't checked in a couple of weeks, but I had a guy on Gene's page ask me every week you know, where Rob Skelton officiated a game. Rob Skelton may be the most uh, unbiased observer in the history of officiating. Don't know. Don't know the man. Don't know his motivations. But I know this. He is the son of a former Alabama football player, and I'm sure he has yelled roll tide more than once in his life, and he has no business officiating Alabama football games. Zero. Zero. Our friends at my book, you're here to serve you. Longtime sponsors of the show. They're always with me during football season. A lot of listeners have had great experiences with my bookie. The NFL divisional races are really heating up. 
Maybe you're a little bit smarter than your friends. So maybe it's time to put your money where your mouth is. It's as simple as that. College football's big pick em games are coming. NFL games are coming. Because where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. You know, maybe you are the kind of person that always wins that office pool. Maybe you get the uh, bragging rights at the water cooler. Well, maybe it's time you got paid for it. Visit our friends at mybookie.ag. Again, that's mybookie.ag. And use promo code Boneyard, B-O-N-E-Y-A-R-D, and they will match your initial deposit up to 100%. That's right. You're already playing with some house money. So what do you got to lose? Get to work. Pick the winners. Mybookie.ag. You win, you get paid. You play, you win, you get paid. Simple as that. We better get it right. Apologize for that. So let's take a quick look around the league, and then we'll uh, preview a couple other things. You know, the, uh, the SEC, as you know, the races are kind of coming together, and uh, we've mentioned how a couple of those uh, ball games somewhat tainted, I guess, by some calls that were a little bit questionable. Florida beat South Carolina 38-27. South Carolina very much in that game. And, uh, you know, to Florida's credit, they come back and and answer the bell. And uh, Florida 38-27 winners over South Carolina. I expected Florida to win that ball game. I'll be honest with you, I did not expect South Carolina to have the fight they've had, despite the fact that they've won two in a row prior to this. I really thought they would have a bit of a hangover after the Georgia game. But they didn't. They came out and gave Florida all they wanted. Really thought South Carolina ran the football really well against that Todd Grantham defense. But if you're not going to get the benefit of the call, you know, things aren't always going to work out. So we'll hear, you know, again, South Carolina and Mississippi State and um, and others, Tennessee, will all, will all get the letter we're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. We're gonna. We'll. We'll take some steps, and we'll. We'll make sure this happens. We'll. We'll give you guys. Listen. When you guys come to SEC Media Days next year, you, you guys can have all the free ice you want, man. Well, we're. We're really, really, really sorry. We're. we're I mean, really sorry. Please accept our thoughts and prayers as you continue your your quest towards bowl eligibility. We'll do what we can to help you. Auburn absolutely destroys Arkansas, 51-10. I kind of expected that, too, because, you know, Gus Malzahn is one of those guys, and, I, and some people told me they, they laugh when I said he, he finds a way. Gus is one of those kind of guys when his back's against the wall, he, that's when they're at their best. They're, that is the absolute best. It's when Gus Malzahn is fighting for his career. Man, that guy, it, it's just that's just how it is. 51-10, to 10, I expect Arkansas to go ahead and have their late season swoon. Real opportunity here for uh, Arkansas to go 0-16, 0-16, go 0-8 back-to-back years with Chad Morris. Real opportunity for that to happen. LSU, of course, knocks off Mississippi State 36-13. LSU's really good. Uh, you know, I've kind of chased some rabbit trails today. Lost in all that, too, is that that LSU offense is for real. They create so much confusion with coverages, just like Gracie McMath getting loose there for that 60-yard touchdown pass. That's really all they need. They just they just need you to make one mistake because Joe Burrow is so talented with ball placement where he throws the football. He got it seized the field so well. If you make a mistake, he's going to make you pay for it. And that's what happened. He made some major league throws in that game, and that was really the difference. I thought State came out and played exceptionally well. And when we made some mistakes, I wish you made us paid for it. Missouri uh, loses at Vanderbilt. And uh, go ahead and file that away under things we never expected to see. Derek Mason fired up after the game, and good for Derek. Barry Odom showing again that they're struggling. They have a real difficult time getting up for what people would consider inferior opponents. They've lost now on the road at Wyoming. They've lost on the road at Vanderbilt. They had a five-game homestand. And so they're going to be a tough team uh, at home. But uh, on the road, very, very difficult for them for some reason to kind of get up and get ready to play. 14 points. It's one of those things you look at. Derek Mason is a great defensive coach, but because of the youth of that football team, they haven't really shown that this year. But when you run the numbers here, this Mizzou offense 
has not scored less than, what, 31 points this year? I think that's right. Yeah, they, they had not scored less than 31 all year, and they, they scored 14 in Nashville. So give Derek Mason some credit. Mizzou's got, you know, th- two in a row, I guess, coming up in road games. At Vandy, at Kentucky, at Georgia. They could come right back down to the pack here pretty quick. And I've said that they're going to mess up somebody's season because I think Kelly Bryant's good enough to win a ball game by himself. But but we'll see. Didn't didn't win on Saturday, did he? Uh, Kentucky goes to Georgia, gets beat twenty-one nothing. I don't know what's happened to the Georgia offense. I think Jake Fromm is a uh, is an incredible quarterback, and they've got a couple of great running backs there. But and the, probably the best wide receivers in the league, Denver, Alabama. You could make a case for LSU too, but those Georgia guys are just freaks running around out there. That that ball game was just horrendous for the first half, and then Georgia kind of put some things together. And Kentucky, they're going to have a tough time scoring because they don't have a quarterback. A and M uh, goes on the road and beats Ole Miss in Oxford. It's a huge loss for Ole Miss. Huge, huge loss for Ole Miss. Pretty much guarantees them of not going to a ball game this year. Texas A and M. Did not play well. Texas A&M is not a great team. They're not an elite team. As I've said for two years, Kellen Mond is not a great quarterback. Down the stretch, when they needed the drive to put the game away, Mond played well. But save a defensive score there, Texas A&M's not even the ball game. Ole Miss is driving to go up two scores, and John Rice Plumley fumbles the football. It's returned for touchdown. That ultimately proved to be the difference in the ball game. Mississippi State goes to College Station this weekend. It's a winnable game, Bulldogs. We're going to talk about that later in the week. That's a winnable game. We talked about Ole Miss. They're now 3-5 and five overall, and they still have some huge games left. At the, They're off this week. The, they go to Auburn. Okay, that's a loss. They're home against New Mexico State. That should be a win. And then they host LSU. That's a loss. So Ole Miss should be 4-7 and seven coming into the Egg Bowl. So that'll be their bowl game. And if we're not careful, it could be ours too. But uh, they're looking at missing a bowl game for the fourth consecutive year. And again, for all those people out there that say, ah, I think they're getting better. Yeah, I think Matt Luke will get saved. There's no way. There's just no way when you, you, you miss a bowl game. Think about this. He has been the coach. One year was an interim coach. Two year is, you know, have been his tenure. But he's been the head coach now for three years. Three consecutive losing seasons. Three consecutive years without going to a bowl game. I guess I guess non-winning seasons is the way to put that. Because at interim year, he goes 6-6 six and six and beats State in 2017 without Nick Fitzgerald. And uh, they go 6-6. Six and six. So they're trending in the wrong direction. And then, of course, Alabama knocks off Tennessee 35-13. A, a much better game than I think most people anticipated, especially me. I really thought Tennessee would go out there and, and – uh, and lay an egg. I just thought offensively they would really, really struggle. But defensively, that Tennessee team is getting better. Some young players on that defense, they played well against us. They played pretty well against Alabama. People forget Alabama had a defensive touchdown, that 100-yard return there to kind of you know provide some distance between them and the volunteers. So give Jeremy Pruitt credit for two weeks in a row having his kids ready to play. Uh, I have read with a great interest of people that have been upset about him grabbing uh, Jared uh, Garantano's face mask. It was, uh, yeah, my honest opinion is I think you keep your hands to yourself, but goodness, I don't know that we would have made it through the 80s, you know, without any of that. I mean, that's sometimes the guy grabs your face mask to get your attention. I didn't, I think people are making too big a deal out of it. I know, like, I've, I've read that uh, Paul Feinbaum called it embarrassing, not that we should care what he thinks, but I've read some other people that have said, you know, that just shouldn't happen. You know, it, it got caught on camera. The guy was frustrated. And listen, I, you know, I, I don't know what Garantano did. Some people think he went he went rogue on the play and just tried to go score there and didn't run the play. And in that situation, you don't run the play and you give up a 100-yard defensive score, your coach is not going to be happy with you. Not to mention Jeremy Pruitt's coaching for his job. I think we all see that. I think we do. I may be wrong, but I think we see that. Tennessee facing another losing season. Been a little bit better as of late, but that Tennessee team, they're 2-5 and five right now. What they have left, you got to figure they got to get two. They got to get two. They got a chance, I think, in every one of these games. South Carolina's at Tennessee this week. UAB at Tennessee. Tennessee at Kentucky. 
Tennessee at Missouri, Vanderbilt at Tennessee. I think the only one you look at and say, you know what, probably going to be a tough one, that Missouri one. South Carolina's going to be a difficult one too. But, you know, they've got a chance of getting a ball game. They had a chance to really make it an interesting game against Alabama, and they blew it. I expect coaches to show some emotion to be upset about that. And, again, it's so interesting how things are handled. You know, some people say, well, Jim Moorhead's too buttoned up, and then they say Jeremy Pruitt's basically a maverick out there. Just don't think that's right. I just don't see the – I just don't see the – it would be one thing if he grabbed his face mask and let him around. He just touched the face mask to get his attention. I just don't have a problem with it. Maybe maybe it's because I've actually played sports. Now, I've never grabbed any of my own kids like that. But uh, under, under the circumstances, I, I don't see the big deal. Maybe I'm wrong. But that's that's just how I feel about it. I want to remind you, too, our good friends at Campus Bookmart are here to serve you. A Stark building and institution. Great people. Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely talented Susie, all of them. They're just great people. They love Mississippi State just like you. They've got the latest and greatest in Mississippi State fashions and memorabilia and novelty items right there for you. If you can't make it to town and go by and see their fine selections for yourself, you can visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. It'll save you a little cash. That phrase is BSR, promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50 and any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. You're going to find some great things there. Go ahead and do your Christmas shopping. Get ahead of the game, Mom. Everybody in the family wants a new Bulldog shirt. Everybody wants Mississippi State-related items. Campus Bookmark, your online Mississippi State shopping home. My friends at Campus Bookmart are going to spend a lot of time with me over the course of the next uh, few weeks, going to do some book signings with them and Bookmart and Cafe. And, and one of the things that's interesting is, you know, when, when Flim Flam was coming out, you know, we had a ton of pre-orders and that sort of stuff. And we had a lot of people that you know, wanted to do book signings, but you know, the, the people from the publisher and the agency, they had to kind of get on the phone and say, okay, hey, listen, Steve Robertson's got this book coming out. They had to kind of explain to people who I was and what was happening. This time it's much different. So we're getting a lot of demands, a lot of people requesting uh, the opportunity uh, to buy the book and that sort of stuff. And so it's going to be very active. We'll be on the road a lot here in the next couple of months. With the holidays coming up, we're going to do our best to kind of make it as easy as possible. But if, if you can't make it out, or maybe you're not a stater, maybe you can't make it to town for something, let me encourage you, go to starkvillainsthebook.com, and you can order your pre-signed copies and I'll customize them however you want they'll they'll make a list and they'll give them to me and I'll meet those people about once a week and we'll sign those books and get them out and mail to you uh, and the book's going to be out this week it's, it's shipping this week we were hoping that it would ship on Friday and they had some kind of binding issue or whatever put them back a day or two uh, shipping this week and then uh, we'll have some books in your hands and uh, excited for you guys to have the book excited for about what's next and I really am. And uh, a lot of people have asked, you know, about what's next. And, and uh, so the next next year, I'm going to write the recovery book. You know, the kind of the path to recovery, kind of a li- life's lessons learned in, in near 30 years of recovery from chemical dependence on alcohol. But then after that, you know, we're probably going to do. I'm leaning towards kind of a series of books about big wins in Mississippi State history. So like Stark Villains, like maybe maybe the next time. We do Alabama, you know, and then and then maybe we do you know, like a potpourri book, just big wins against anybody. Maybe we do bowl history, and that's the great thing about it is you know, we can tell the Mississippi State story, you know, through the the lens of the players and coaches that had it. And uh, I I don't think that our story has been has been told enough. And uh, if you watch the SEC, you know, Saturdays in the South thing, which has been magnificent, we have been a footnote in their production. When they did the 90s, there was uh, essentially no mention of Jackie Sherrill. There was no mention of Mississippi State winning the West in 98. Uh, When they did the feature about the Tennessee National Championship team, they talked about their win against Arkansas when they had the big Clint Sterner fumble, and they talked about them winning the National Championship. There was no mention of the SEC Championship game. None of that. We got a mention back in the 80s with uh, John Bond and them beating Alabama. We got to mention with Sylvester Croom in the last one, which was great. But 
we're we're kind of being mentioned as an afterthought, even in the times when we have been really good. And so that inspires me to think that, you know, I need to write more of these books, more books about Mississippi State and about the historical stuff. And as I've told Strat before, man, we got to document a lot of these stories before some of these great heroes are, are dead and gone. So that's kind of what I'm committed to right now. We will figure it all out as we go. I don't really have a plan beyond 2020, except for the fact that I continue to write, plan to write books for you guys about Mississippi State. And at some point, we'll cycle back and write the sequel to Flim Flam, because I've got some documents that I didn't have before, and I've got some stories that I didn't have before, and I've got some people that weren't willing to talk on the record before. And so we'll get back around to that at some point. You know, well, maybe just we'll, we'll look in hindsight. Maybe we'll look back and say, you know, well, this is this was the uh, the impact because there are some things that happened on the Mississippi State side since then too that I think maybe that's worth exploring. And so that's something we'll get back to. But uh, you know, I, I've I've got the fever now and uh, excited about it. But I just kind of feel almost drawn uh, in this recovery book. I was actually writing the recovery book when I got the contract to write Flim Flam. And I didn't know really what I was doing back then. And so I, I'm going to go back and look at those uh, 25,000 words or so that I wrote in that initial book and see if we can call some things from that. But I'm going to start fresh. And one of the great things about this is I don't have anybody to interview. There's no fact-checking to do or anything like that. So I, I think in that respect, it'll be a much easier edit. It'll be an easier write because I don't have to depend on anybody else. I can just come down here in my office and I can you know punch out a few thousand words every few days and, and, and kind of put this thing together. But I am looking forward uh, to getting that written. It is, uh, I have learned so much about life through working in a program of recovery, and I have learned even more from other people. I have learned so much from other people about how to live life and live life with joy from from people. It would absolutely blow your mind. And so some of those stories that I'm going to share they're my story, and there are people that have shared the journey for a while. You know, people that are in your life just for a short time that uh, kind of walk a few steps with you, but make a profound impact in your life. And so, I'm going to write that next year. And uh, I keep playing around with the title; I can never seem to to settle on those. And I guess that's part of the process. But uh, looking forward to writing that. Looking forward to this holiday season to get out and see you guys. We're going to re- I'm going to release the book signing schedule. What has been set up today we've got about a dozen or so right now that are already set but we've got to have books to sign first and so once those are coming i'll go ahead and announce that because i've got one that's kind of tentatively set for this weekend and so they're going to overnight some books for me to be able to go do that and so that's going to take place but it's going to be kind of a last minute i don't want to tell anybody hey this is where i'm going to be and then things not come out so once i get books in hand from the publisher I'll announce that stuff here and on Gene's page on social media and Facebook and all that. So please help spread the word. I cannot wait for you guys to read this book. And for some of you that are out there and you're tucked away in some little, um, you know, hamlet of Mississippi and say, you know what, Steve, we got a bunch of Bulldog fans down here that would love to have the chance to buy the book. We don't have bookstores or whatever. We're going to do some of these evening with Steve Robertson type deals. We'll do book readings and answer questions and all that kind of stuff. Well, those were so much fun before. You know, we're gonna we're gonna have traditional book signings in bookstores, but we're gonna do some a lot more of this type stuff. So if you're interested in that, if you're part of an alumni group or part of a bulldog club or touchdown club or anything like that, where you would love for me to come speak and uh, for you guys to have a chance to buy signed books, reach out to me at srobertson at jeanspage.com or find me on social media. And uh, I will put you in contact with the people that keep my calendar and make those things happen. And I'll be happy to come out there and be with you. Again, that's starkvillainsthebook.com. So, uh, and I've got some some fans out in Arizona that have asked me to come out there. And, and I wish that was feasible. I'd love to be able to come out there and visit with you folks. But uh, you're probably better just go ahead and buy those books online at Stark Villains the Book. And if you're looking for the Stark Villain shirts, I get a lot of that. Despite the fact that we've tweeted that so many times, people say, hey, Steve, where can I get the Stark Villain shirt? Very simple. Starkvillains.com. You go get it. I've got I see people on campus wearing them now. It really fires me up to see that. Can't explain how much that means to me. So this is it. This is barring some other late delay. This is this is book birth week. And I can't wait for you guys to read these stories. So many great stories 
and uh, we'll have some video stuff to go along with that and, and I just can't wait to hold it in my hands and be able to, to give it to you guys because one of the joys of my life has, be, has been being a Mississippi State fan and uh, being able to document some of our greatest moments in the rivalry against Ole Miss is just it's been wonderful so the byproduct of all of that those great conversations with some of the great heroes in Mississippi State Athletics you're soon going to be able to hold that in your hand excited about it to say the least we'll be back on Wednesday we'll talk about what Joe Moorhead had to say we'll talk about the week to to come and uh, might even look back at a little baseball kind of give you some some observations for some things that we've learned uh, during fall baseball because fall baseball is now a wrap for Mississippi State and uh, they'll take some time off kind of rest their arms and be ready to go man and and, and about just less than four months we're going to be on the baseball field watching the Bulldogs play excited to see it to say the least Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.